Hello, thank you so much for being here. I honestly don't feel like I say it enough, but I am so grateful for you and so grateful for your support over the last couple years. It's really how this podcast is able to continue doing its thing because of you. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so glad that we're friends and it's I, I started this podcast back in at the beginning of 2019 as a place where I could share all the stuff that I was learning that was helping me achieve my fitness goals with diabetes and just to create a space where we could really dive deeper and get to know each other and share things. And since then, it's kind of just transformed into where we are now, and I just can't picture it any differently. So thank you so much for your support, for tuning in, for listening. It really does mean the world. And if you have not yet subscribed, please take a second to subscribe because that way you won't miss out on all of our weekly episodes that we have. And if you have taken a second to leave a rating or review for this podcast. Thank you so much. It really does mean the world. It's it's honestly like when you take the time to just leave a quick review or tap those stars, like scroll down on your app and tap the stars to rate the podcast. It expands the reach of this podcast and it makes it possible for more people to find this show. And for those people who are genuinely really interested in these conversations and maybe are feeling alone with diabetes, it's a way that they will be able to find the show and benefit from listening to this content. So it really does mean the world. Thank you so much if you've taken the time to do that. And if you have not yet, if you have a second and you feel called to do so, please take a second to leave a five-star rating or review. Let me know what you enjoy most about listening to this podcast or what your biggest takeaway is from this episode today. Thank you so much. I don't know if you're familiar, but back in February 2020, myself and Sarah Miller, we started doing these Instagram lives and we've continued doing them one time a week. It's been so much fun, you guys. Like one of the biggest, well, two things that have been super fun about it amongst like a million, <laughs> but two of the biggest things that stand out is one, being able to connect with all of you guys in real time and to share experiences and to connect with one another and to really feel less alone on this diabetes journey. Because what I found just by connecting with so many of you guys is that we all share similar experiences, similar um just feelings around diabetes or things that, you know, it's weird to kind of talk about to just anyone because not everyone gets the daily laundry list <laughs> that is diabetes, right? And so we don't really talk about it all the time because the people just don't really get it. But being able to talk with one another and really understand each other on this really deep level is such a beautiful thing. And so having this conversation where we can all join in and chat and share has been so much fun. So if, if you have caught any of these Instagram lives that we've been doing, like I hope that you have enjoyed them as well. And if you have not caught them, you can tune in. We do them every 
Thursday Pacific time at 5 o'clock p.m. And then Sarah is over in Australia. So for her, it's the following day, every Friday at, I believe, 8 a.m. in Australia. So we'd love to... We'd love for you to join us, but really what this episode is all about today is really just announcing, I mean, maybe you already know, but Sarah and I, so I started adding like some of the episodes that we did together on Instagram. If you scroll back like into this podcast library here on more than just a type, you will see a couple of the episodes. They're labeled diabetes uncensored and that's uncensored with an S because we wear sensors. (laughs) But if you've listened to some of those, I did post a few on the podcast and then I stopped posting them because Sarah and I were in the middle of creating our own show together where we were going to really post everything and share episodes every single month between the two of us. And we've really created this brand that we have so many ideas for it, so many fun and exciting ideas. And the podcast is really just the very beginning, the very start of something new and exciting. And I'm so excited to share it with you. So if you want to tune into our podcast together, you can check it out. It's available on all podcast platforms. Just go to Diabetes Uncensored. And again, that's uncensored with an S. I will link to it in the show notes of this podcast because we will have new episodes weekly, two to three times per week. Um, And then we're going to be doing these monthly episodes together where it's just like fresh and there's a couple of them up there already that I really think you're going to enjoy. But the one that I'm posting today is really our diabetes journey and how we met and just all of that fun stuff. And there's a lot more in it. Like it's a really fun conversation. So I really hope that you enjoy it. And I'm so excited to take you guys along this journey as well, or rather for us to all journey together, because it really is a a journey that we're all on. And I really, you know, I see in social media and just There's like not knocking anyone down, but I feel like oftentimes there is this energy of just kind of like, you know, I learned something that has helped me, so I'm going to share it with you, but then also an energy of like, I am kind of above you. And what I'm really finding and feeling and the energy that I want to bring is like, no, we're all on this journey together. We're all learning and sharing and There's no one person above anyone because we are all experiencing this journey at different stages and in a different way, yet we're all on it together at the same time. So I really do think it's such a beautiful thing to be able to share this experience with you because it is really just that, like diabetes is an experience, isn't it? So for the Diabetes Uncensored podcast, really it is just a place where like a supportive place where we can all connect and share and talk about all of the stuff that nobody really likes to talk about but everybody goes through related to diabetes like you know I don't like I'm sure you can relate to this but just things like those thoughts that pop into your head when you go on a date or you know you're just in the situation that's like a little bit uncomfortable and it's not really sexy to talk about but we all kind of 
find like find ourselves in these moments from time to time and it's really fun to talk about them and to dive deep into these conversations because what you'll find is that we all have them like you're not alone at all with any part of this experience that we are experiencing together and so that's really what we've created and it's fun. The Some of the conversations are actually really hilarious. So you can join us for these fun and lighthearted conversations that are also really real, raw, and relatable. And we talk about limiting beliefs and we share stories, personal experiences, and we definitely don't hold back. And we really share how we've been able to overcome the obstacles. And, you know, it's just, it's fun to have like a really authentic conversation with someone who gets it and for you guys to join in on these conversations and share your feedback and let us know what's going on or like what your experience has been along some of these same topics that we chat about. And the mission of this podcast together is really to empower you and help you to feel less alone living with diabetes. I'm so excited to share this brand new podcast with you and to connect with you and continue learning, growing, and sharing these experiences in real time. So this episode today, I hope you enjoy it. I hope that it inspires you in some way. And again, if it does, be sure to leave me a quick review. Let me know what you enjoy most about listening to it today and be sure to subscribe to our Diabetes Uncensored podcast if you enjoy this episode today or at least go over and check it out. Share it with a friend who you think might enjoy it as well. It's available on all podcast platforms and you can find us on Instagram together, Sarah and I at Diabetes Uncensored. And once again, that's uncensored with an S. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this fun episode today. Before we dive in, I just wanted to quickly let you know about the free quiz that I created to help you discover what your calories and macros are for fat loss. If you've been following my journey for a while, you know that it all started with achieving my fitness goals with type 1 diabetes. And if you've ever tried to lose weight or achieve your fitness goals with type 1 diabetes, you know that the struggle can be real. And you also probably know that macros and calories are really a big part in achieving those goals, especially if your goal is fat loss, because you want to make sure that you are maintaining a calorie deficit, which is the only way that fat loss is possible. So I've created this quiz to help you get an estimate of how much food your body actually needs every single day and to really find clarity in, you know, why maybe you can't lose weight or what your next steps should be in order to finally achieve your weight loss goal with type 1 diabetes. So to check out the quiz and finally know how much food your body actually requires to lose weight, just go to tajakato.com forward slash calories. And I'm also going to link to this in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to Diabetes Uncensored. My name is Taja Kato, and I've been living with type 1 diabetes for over 22 years. And I'm Sarah Miller, and I've had type 1 diabetes for just over 10 years now. And together, we created Diabetes Uncensored to talk about all the things diabetes related that no one else is really talking about. And we are so excited that you are here.
I'm just so excited about Diabetes Uncensored. It's literally one of one thing that when I think about all the things that I'm doing, it lights me up the most. Me too, to be honest. Like it's, I love that you have been saying soul excited because it really is like such a soul experience. Like my, like whenever, you know, we talk about diabetes uncensored and all these ideas we have, I like literally light up and I can feel it in every cell in my body. It is a soul exciting experience. Yeah, I know. I feel that way too. It's like on our lives. So for anyone who's listening, we do Instagram lives every Wednesday or Thursday for you in Australia. And that conversation, it always just leaves me so excited and just in such a better, like lighter, I feel so much lighter. Yes, that's a perfect way to describe it. Like, because it's like first thing in the morning for me, but I'll do like a little bit of work before our chats. And I'm like in that sort of work masculine mode. And then I'll jump on our chat. I'm just like, ah, like life is great. You know, it's all good. And I just feel so buzzed and like ready to take on the rest of the day. It's such, yeah, it really just lights me up. So I love our chats and anyone who has, um, joined us on our Instagram lives. Thank you so much. We have had some amazing feedback. So we thought we'd bring it to you in podcast form. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited about it. And I was telling my mom, like, yeah, I'm like, who was I telling today? <laughs> but I was telling my mom about just the idea of like, imagine if we did a tour and we could just, because you were saying last week or this week that you had never been to a T1D meetup. And I'm like, imagine if Diabetes Uncensored became this like thing where we could do meetups and have these conversations and just light everyone else up too. Exactly. I had never even heard of a T1D meetup. It's such a brilliant idea though, because like, you know, as we know, like connecting with the community online and us connecting as well, it's like when you meet another diabetic, you instantly become like friends, right? You just have this connection that it's like, I know what you're going through as well, but if we can, yeah, create a space where people know they can come to that space and be supported and be empowered and just get to connect with other diabetics, then yeah, that's like our mission accomplished, right? Totally. Totally. It It's such a good feeling. And on that note too, so have you told anyone how we met, like how our paths crossed? <laughs> Um, I think we've probably mentioned it before in like a podcast episode that we maybe did on yours, but it was so, yeah, so it was really random guys. I did the whole cringy cold DM to Taj. Um, I was running a program at the time and I noticed she was a diabetic and I loved her vibe. So I reached out about this program, but obviously Taja is such an incredible coach and she's doing so much in the diabetes space already. So it wasn't, um, quite the right fit, but I'm so glad I did because we got chatting and we realized that, yeah, we had a lot of, um, the same kind of thoughts and feelings around this space and Taj invited me on her podcast, right? More than just a time. Yeah. yeah, that was so that was so fun. Yeah, it was. It was so great. And I guess we realized from there that we were just like totally on the same page and 
We um, did a couple of more podcast episodes together and then, yeah, we realized that there was probably more to this. The first thing that comes to mind when I think of that story is just like, because I feel like I can't speak for everyone, but so many times I found myself in a position where it's like, I want to reach out to someone, but I don't know if I should, or, you know, it could be anything. And it's, is so important just to follow that initial gut feeling and just do it. Even if, if you're like, oh, they might like, you know, it might not turn out how I want because it just shows how important that can be. And if you didn't reach out to me, maybe we wouldn't be here right now. Exactly. Actually, that's a really, um, kind of crazy thought. Like, yeah, we probably wouldn't be if that didn't happen. And, um, Yeah, that's such a good point because I think a lot of the time and especially with social media, like we obviously as humans, you know, we have that fear of being rejected and, you know, sometimes putting ourselves out there. And especially with social media, you know, we can see what someone's doing through their photos and their video content. Um, And maybe it can be a little bit intimidating sometimes and it could hold us back from reaching out. But something that you know, I always like to remind myself of is that everyone is just a human and everybody Mm -hmm. is really just looking to connect and just, you know, have these soulful conversations and to be heard and to be seen. So I love that point, like reach out and same goes, you know, for us, if you guys catch our Instagram lives or you're listening to this podcast, please reach out anytime. You are more than welcome to slide into our DMs. We very much welcome it and we're here to support and just I guess like I think what Taj and I really connected on was our thoughts around the diabetes community and maybe what has been lacking Um, and in particular like sometimes it can be a really sort of negative focus on diabetes right we often hear about all the possible complications or scary things that can happen from diabetes or all of like the annoying little daily symptoms. But I guess, you know, a part of like what we're here to do and what we're so passionate about is reminding you guys that you can live such a healthy and fulfilling life with diabetes and it doesn't have to stop you from doing anything. Mm-hmm. It's such an important message. And I was going to tell you, Uh, when I was at the vet today, so I had to take my cat to the vet. I was telling Sarah, um, and we had to get him pain medication and the drops that the vet gave us yesterday made him throw up this morning. And so I asked the vet, I was like, do you have anything else just in case? Cause watching him throw up was just not fun at all. And he's like, well, the only other thing that I have is these syringes. I'll give you three days worth. Um, So he gave us three days worth of syringes. And then my boyfriend was like, oh, yeah, so she'll be really good at doing that because she has diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like feeling, you know, just looking at them. I'm like, yes, like at least one good thing that I feel confident doing. Like I know that I can give him these injections. Um, And then the vet just looked at me. And he's like, diabetes, you're too young to have diabetes. And I was, (laughs) yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I I have to tell Sarah about this (laughs) because it totally just falls into all those misconceptions and things that people say about diabetes that's not true. And I was, I'm like, yeah, 
type one diabetes, but he's, he didn't really understand. So I was like, well, does, but type twos don't really give injections. And then I'm like, there's just such a misconception. And of course there's a language barrier too, but I just left there feeling like, I was like, is he confused about it? But then I'm like, it doesn't matter because I know how to do these injections. (laughs) Exactly. Pancho is going to be okay. But, um, oh my goodness, that's, yeah, that's really like that. I'm like kind of shocked right now because I think we're just so used to it. And it sort of like, um, it makes, cause obviously Taj is in, um, well, actually maybe it's not obvious to, to our new listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Taj is in, um, Costa Rica at the moment. And so I guess that, you know, is why there is a language barrier, but I wonder if in that culture, it's not as common for young people to have diabetes. Maybe. That's an interesting thought. I wonder, I know there's a couple of people on Instagram who I'm friends with that are from here in Costa Rica and they have type one, but I wonder, I mean, even uh, the guy who takes care of like all the gardening here, he is really good friends with my mom and her husband. And there was one day that he picked these seeds um, from this tree. They're called moringa seeds. And he's like, here, eat them because they help with diabetes. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's so sweet, but it's not really going to help me, (laughs) you know? So I just, I feel like maybe there are more misconceptions or maybe it's the same. And it's just, cause I've had run-ins like that even in the States, but I don't know. It's so weird to, it's so hard to know. Cause do you ever like recently, have you had any run-ins like that? Um, so I guess like a lot of the time, one of the biggest, um, sort of assumptions that people make or misconceptions is that because diabetes is such an invisible illness, a lot of the time we don't show symptoms on the outside or physical symptoms. And so I think, you know, when people like something that I've experienced and I know you've experienced a lot too, Taj, is like if you do look fit and healthy, people are quite surprised to find out that you have diabetes. And a lot of those misconceptions do come from, you know, media and what we see online. And for anyone who hasn't experienced diabetes before, I mean, it's understandable that they don't really know what it is like to live with diabetes or what it really looks like. And they can only go off what they have experienced about it. So I think that definitely plays such a huge part in all those misconceptions. But yeah, one of the biggest ones I get is like, oh, well, you you have diabetes, but you look so healthy. It's like, well, yeah, do you know what? I do have diabetes, but, and I am healthy. I think that's another thing that people assume. It's like, oh, you've got this you know, sort of chronic condition, it's all doom and gloom, like you're done for. But one of my favorite quotes is that well-controlled diabetes is the leading cause of nothing. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's such a nice little reminder that if we do look after ourselves and, you know, we fuel our bodies with healthy, nourishing foods and we move our bodies And we look after our mental health and keep a really sort of close eye on our sugar levels, 
then we can be just as healthy as anyone else. In fact, I would even say, um, and we'll get into our stories, I guess, soon, but I would say diabetes has almost made me more health focused and maybe a healthier person because if I didn't have this chronic condition, if I wasn't needing to pay so much close attention to my my bloods or my sugar levels because of diabetes, then maybe I would just be sort of taking my body for granted. And so, yeah, I would say like that for me, and don't get me wrong, we this has been a journey for us guys. Like we didn't, you know, get diagnosed and then walk out of the doctor's office and be like, do you know what? This is great. (laughs) In fact, for me, it was quite the opposite and it's been a long journey. So I guess on that note, and, but yeah, just quickly, like with this podcast, we're all, you know, we're here to talk real stuff in relation to diabetes. And so we are super passionate about squashing all those misconceptions um, and just keeping it super real, hence the name Diabetes Uncensored. Yes. I'm over here like nodding my head. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> but totally. And I feel like too, there's so much, it's like the emotional part or the stuff that comes along. It's like saying, okay, you know, the misconceptions, like you don't look like a diabetic or you're too young to have diabetes or you're too healthy or whatever it is. But then there's that whole side that nobody really talks about that kind of is more emotional, you know, that kind of carries along with all of those things that people say and people don't really realize it. Right. So I think that's a big part too, of just sharing because there's, it's so relatable. Yeah, that's so true. It's like, it can be really quite triggering and upsetting. And I don't, I think a lot of the time that's not someone's intention, but the weight that it carries with it, when people just sort of throw these comments out there or throw these assumptions or these judgments out there, we can walk away feeling really quiet. (sighs) Like I've definitely felt all a spectrum of emotions. You know, sometimes I'm like, I'll beat myself up and be like, oh yeah, like crap, maybe you're not going to live a long life or something really dire like that. Or other times I'll be like, no, like you're just being completely ignorant and it will make me feel quite frustrated and sometimes angry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been such a journey to be able to get to a point where I'm like, you know what, I, you know, empathize with you and I understand that you obviously don't know what you don't know. And if you haven't known someone with diabetes, then how would you know? And I guess just looking at those opportunities now as um, a a way of educating people so and raising awareness. Mm -hmm. So if someone, yeah, throws like a comment out there like that or asks a question, like I used to be, if someone asked me a question about diabetes, I used to feel so triggered that I would just be like, go, go Google it. (laughs) Google it. I can't be bothered dealing with you. Um, And it wasn't like aimed at them. It was just because it had built up and built up and built up. And all of those questions over the space of years, you know, I just got to that point where I was like, nah, can't be bothered. Like I'm done with this. 
So, but now I look at it through a different lens and I'm like, you know what, maybe that's an opportunity for me to educate. Yeah. I love that. And on that note, have you ever brought a boyfriend to any of your endocrinologist appointments or any sort of diabetes related thing? No, No, I have not. I haven't either, but it's such an interesting thing to think about when, and when you're talking about just, um, you know, using it to educate people, but then also how you used to get annoyed at people be like, go Google it. I would, that just came to mind. I'm like, I wonder what it'd be like to bring someone like that, like a boyfriend or something to an appointment. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like, um, Oh, something that you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, how your boyfriend said he would love to control your diabetes for a day, mm-hmm. which I thought, oh my God, that would just make for such like great content. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and like, oh, there's obviously such a wider conversation around that whole topic, but it's so, it would be interesting to have someone who hasn't experienced diabetes like walk in our shoes for a day. Mm-hmm. Totally. It totally would be. And I was thinking about that too after our conversation. I'm like, if I did, if I was strong enough to let go of that control for a day and just be like, here, good luck. I think I would also be like, all right, but you're going to have to give my, me injections. Like you're going to have to do it all. You know, (laughs) I wouldn't just be like, here's my CGM. Just tell me what to do. I'd be like, no, no, you have to do it all. (laughs) Yep. You're like, I'm just going to lie here. And yeah, (laughs) it could be like, I mean, obviously I think it would be a little bit scary. Like I totally feel you. If I was to just hand over the reins to someone else, I'd be like, oh God, this is going to be a disaster. But um, how nice would it be to just have a day where you didn't have to think about diabetes and you just had someone else thinking about it all for you and just doing all the things? (laughs) That's so true. I never thought of that until you just said that. It would be kind of nice. And, And also too, I wonder if for me, just that part of like letting go of the control, it's like, there's so many things to remember that even I don't remember on a daily basis that maybe if I wrote all the things in a handbook and I was like, okay, this is what happens before I exercise or blah, blah, blah. Then maybe I would feel a little bit better. Yeah. That would be a long handbook. (laughs) It totally would be. (laughs) It'd be a novel. Um, Yeah. Uh, and I guess like on that note, you know, we, diabetes, you don't have a day off. You don't get Christmas off. You don't get your birthday off. You don't get a holiday. Diabetes is always there. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It's, it's a lot of work. And I think so many, I mean, do, do you ever sit and think about this and like how much work it actually is, because I think a lot of us don't really give ourselves enough credit, you know, because it just becomes the everyday mundane thing that we're, we just become so accustomed to, but we do so much. And I, I can't imagine what it would be like to also like have children and also be navigating that. Do you mean like, as in you as a diabetic having kids or like a parent with a diabetic I meant like 
having diabetes, so say you had kids right now, because you know how sometimes diabetes is you're getting pulled in so many different directions and then even when you have a busy day with work and then it's like suddenly diabetes sort of, I don't know if you find this, but I do, it takes a back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so imagine having kids and being pulled in all of these directions. And I wonder if the same would be true because yeah, it's like having, like being a mom I would imagine is like a full-time job, but then also diabetes is a full-time job. Plus you're already working a full-time job, right? Like how do people do it? A hundred percent. Yeah. I really, really take my hat off to um, people living with diabetics, uh, sorry, people living with diabetes and bringing up children because you're so right. Like I, you know, as someone who's like super sort of work focused and driven in like you know, career, I always put my work above everything. I'm not proud of it. And it's something I'm working on, like finding that balance. But yeah, some days I will, you know, push back meals or I'll be like, oh, I'll just, you know, deal with that diabetes thing later. Um, so I can't even imagine like bringing children into the mix. And a, a diabetic that I know, she actually said, so she's got two children and she said it feels like she has three children. She's got her two children plus her diabetes. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that. And it's and it, it's difficult too because the outside world, they don't really understand, right? Like I'm, I'm, my parents are so supportive, but no one can truly understand unless they are the ones living with it. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And on that note, something else that just comes to mind, like even when I used to work in an office and I would be in meetings sometimes and I could feel my blood sugars dropping, I would sort of just like push my way through it, you know, not wanting to tell anybody because I didn't want to be perceived as needy or like the diabetes girl who has to run out of meetings to treat a sugar low Mm -hmm. because while we know what it feels like and we know how serious it is, someone who hasn't experienced diabetes or doesn't know anyone with diabetes, they may look at us as just being like a little bit needy or like, you know, sort Mm -hmm. of milking it. But I don't know if that's just like the limiting beliefs and the limiting thoughts that go through our heads as diabetics. I don't know if they're actually thinking that, but that's definitely (laughs) been a fear of mine. I and I can totally relate to that, and I'm sure other people can too. But that would even um, like happen with me in new relationships, or being out with friends, or doing just any anything that you know. If I would have a low in the middle of a hike or something, and I was with a bunch of people that I didn't really know, I wouldn't just be like, "Hey, my blood sugar is low," you know. Or with a, like a boyfriend or something, I would even having sex and I would be like, oh, you just got to push through this low right now. Cause I was just yeah. so worried that they're going to be like, what you have to stop like mid action and eat sugar. Like, excuse me. Exactly. It's like, oh, well this girl, you know, she's uh, annoying, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the story is so great. Can we please share it on that note? Which one? <laughs> the, um, <laughs> when you were having a low <laughs> like blacked out. Oh yeah. And I, I think I was like, I was in high school and it was like my first long-term relationship. And we were, 
having sex and I went so low that I blacked out and I don't know what I said to him and it's all very vague, but I remember like saying, cause you know how you get really moody or at least mm-hmm. I do like where you just, it, I just turn into a completely different person. I'm so impatient. And I said something to him and he was so upset at me. Like I kind of came with it and he was, he was so mad at me and I'm like, oh my God. And that was the first time that and the last that that had ever happened that I blacked out, but I'm like, worst timing ever. (laughs) Oh my gosh, totally. And like, there's so many things to unpack there because like, yeah, I, I'm the same. Like when my blood sugars are low, I'm so touchy. Um, -hmm. and I'm basically to everyone, like just fuck off. Um, also guys, anyone listening, this is such a real and raw space. Like we are not going to hold back. So you will hear stories, you know, that we talk about, you know, in relation to sex and dating and all those things, um, that, you know, we experience as diabetics that could be different to the average person. So real talk only here. Um, but yeah, I can, I'm just, I'm laughing because it's real. like, I guess we can laugh about it now. I'm sure it was not funny at the time, but <laughs> I'm just imagining what you might've said to him as well. <laughs> oh God. I wish I remembered, or I don't know if I do wish because <laughs> yeah. And you know what I was thinking the other day too, after, uh, cause we did a live, um, just about how diabetes affects your mood. And I was a really rebellious teenager, which, you know, granted we go through hormones and all that, but also I wonder if my mood swings and my bitchiness and a lot of my fights with my parents, if some of it stemmed from being low, like low blood sugar, because I didn't have a CGM, I was not taking care of diabetes. And I wonder if part of my just really you know, just that stage, maybe part of it was hormones and maybe the other part was my blood sugar levels. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I obviously didn't have, well, I was diagnosed at 18, so I guess we could call that teens, but I, I guess I was diagnosed after that sort of like, you know, hormonal, just uncomfortable high school stage. Um, but I can definitely relate even as an adult, you know, it's like some, when my blood sugars are high or low, I, my mood is so affected and I'm so frustrated and it could be because I just feel really icky and really yucky from the highs and lows of the blood sugar. Um, it could be because I have brain fog. Like I get really frustrated when I have brain fog because I'm like, oh, Sarah, you're so stupid. You know, like those sort of thoughts run through my head, but it's mm-hmm. usually because my blood sugar is doing something weird. So it's such a good point. It's like, I wonder how many, I guess, you know, how much conflict in our life has resulted mm-hmm. in our blood sugars. I completely agree because I think now that I I'm able to kind of look at my blood sugars and I'm more aware of how diabetes affects my mood and everything, I can immediately tell like, oh, you're feeling this way. You're super impatient. You 
are irritable, like it's it's because your blood sugar. But back in the day, I didn't have that awareness. And so I think it was the root cause of a lot of conflict in my relationships. Mm, yeah. And it's like, how do you explain that to someone? Because again, if they haven't experienced diabetes, they might think that we're using it as a bit of an excuse. But like literally cognitively and, you know, on a science level, mm-hmm. our blood sugar really does affect our brain function. Yeah. No, totally. And you just, me just hearing you say that it, um, the other day, maybe it was last week, I was having a low and I got really impatient with my boyfriend. And then I had to leave the room because I was just like, you know how it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I came back and I was like, hey, I'm really sorry. My blood sugar is dropping and it's just causing me to be really impatient right now. And he's like, that's no excuse because he was all like upset about how I was being very reactive over something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was. And then I was like thinking about it. I'm like, it's yeah, it's no excuse. But then at the same time, it's like, like from our point of view, but then also holding space for how they must feel in that situation as well, right? It's such a weird thing and and just, I don't know. Yeah, completely. It's, it is a, a tricky one because, yeah, obviously we don't want to, you know, upset or hurt the people around us, but sometimes it is a little bit out of our control, Um, when our blood sugars are doing funny things and it can be really hard in the moment to be like, Hey, let's just pause this, you know, argument because I have to go deal with my blood sugars because, you know, again, that would even require some straight cognitive thinking. And when you're in that fuzzy zone, it's hard to collect your thoughts as it is, let alone to be like, hey, let's just put a pause on this. And then you might get a reaction like that. But I think both points are really valid. And I guess oh, it just comes back to that whole communicating to people mm-hmm. like what it's like to, you know, have these high and low blood sugars. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should probably share our diabetes stories, right? Like how mm-hmm. we'll diagnose because we both have very different stories. Um, yeah. Do you want to go first? Um, yeah, sure. So I was diagnosed at the age of 18. Oh, actually on that note, I've been meaning to tell you, Taj, mm-hmm. um, it only happened the other day. I I don't know if anyone's heard of Romy Romy. It's quite, um, it's quite unknown, I think. It's a traditional Maori sort of spiritual holistic healing modality I guess is what we'd call it but I've never heard of it yeah it's I hadn't heard of it until recently either and this was my first time and it was it was like whoa um but in a nutshell it basically involves like it's a lot of massage involved and the practitioner apparently she can your body just lights up to her and like what will light up is areas of the body where you could be storing trauma and she'll go to those points in your body and she will get her elbow, I think, and dig it into that point so, so firmly. It's Mm -hmm. really quite um, excruciatingly painful um, but really, really powerful. Anyway, that's a total side note. How do you Um, spell that? Is it Mori Mori? 
Oh, Romy Romy. So Romy, R-O-M-I. R-O-M-I. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Look it up. It's really, really cool. There's some videos on YouTube. Um, and anyway, so she obviously noticed my diabetes sensor and she was like, oh, how long have you had diabetes for? And I was like, oh, age 18. And I guess being in that sort of, she's in that spiritual space. Um, she, said, oh, that's really interesting that you were diagnosed at 18. Like, I wonder what you were doing sort of leading up to that for you to be diagnosed with something that would force you to slow down. Mm. And I was like, yeah, actually she mentioned a few things and she was like, um, because I was like, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's okay. Diabetes hasn't stopped me from doing anything and I'm all about empowering other diabetics, you know, to remind them that they can do anything that they want as well. And she's like, but she's like, your body is different. You are different. You require insulin. And she wasn't saying it in like a judgmental way. She was more just like, but you are and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa. Wow. How did that make you feel? I really had to sit with it. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm really still not a hundred percent sure where I stand on it because so much of what I am passionate about is, and like the work I do and even how I like to live my life and my values, it's that this dis-ease won't stop me from doing anything. Mm-hmm. But, and I mean, I am a person that sort of is go, 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 you know, I can do all the things and sometimes I do feel quite burnt out and even in those moments of burnout, I don't allow myself as much space and time to rest as I probably should. So, you know, like I'm on the fence about it. There's a part of me that was a little bit triggered and it's like, no, hold on, what are you talking about? I can do anything. Mm -hmm. But then there was a part of me that was like, oh, maybe this, you know, there was something telling me that I did need to slow down and that's okay. And maybe I need to lean into that a little bit more. Yeah. I think that's really powerful too, to hear that perspective because I've always lived my life also saying diabetes is never going to stop me from doing anything I want. And it's always sort of driven me to just push forward and be the best version of myself. But at the same time, what if slowing down and taking care of that aspect as well is actually sort of putting the pieces together as a whole because we we need that balance, right? And so it's forcing us to do that no matter what. Completely. Yeah. I Honestly, everything that you just said really really resonates with me because, and I, as you were saying then, and I was thinking about it from like my own experience as well, it's like, why do we feel the need to really emphasize that diabetes isn't going to stop us from doing any, everything? That's a really, that's really powerful. (laughs) I know that's Yeah. Cause what comes to mind for me is like, maybe a part of me does feel like you can't you know, like maybe you can't run that marathon like the other people because you might have to stop and treat a low or something. So it's like proving to myself that I can. (laughs) Yes, 
exactly not saying that I want to run a marathon, but <laughs> yeah, so like figure, figuratively speaking. And someone actually said to me, a partner um, said to me once, because you know I love traveling and I want to move overseas and everything. And he's like, why do you feel the need to fill your life with all of these things? Like in such like I'm consider myself to be quite impulsive as well. I'm like, okay, I have this idea. Well, impulsive is one way of putting it. Enthusiastic is another, but um, (laughs) (laughs) like I have an idea that I'm really excited about. I'm like, yes, I want to do this now. And I always thought that I was just like such a go-getter. Do you know what I mean? And he says to me, do you think that you feel like you need to fill your life, especially you know, while you're still young with all these things because you're worried that you might not have a very long life because of diabetes. Wow. And I can totally see that being very triggering for some people. Like, can you just imagine if someone said that to you that you didn't, you weren't close with? (laughs) Oh my God. Totally. Yeah. It was lucky that he, that we were close and that he did know me very well. And so I did sort of um, I did sort of sit with that for a little bit and I was like, mm, I wonder if there is some truth in that. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm super passionate about the whole unconscious, like, you know, beliefs and stuff that we hold mm-hmm. and how much of an impact they can have on our life. But so I was like, wow, I wonder if there is some kind of underlying unconscious belief or feeling that, yeah. I have to do all the things now. But anyway, that was a a bit of a um, side note tangent. I guess going back to uh, my diagnosis. So I was diagnosed at the age of 18, very much out of the blue, but in hindsight was experiencing all of those sort of uh, typical diabetes symptoms for about 18 months leading up to my diagnosis. Um, I lost a lot of weight, about 10 kilos, Uh, but I was still eating all of the food and I uh, was losing a bit of hair as well. And I remember my mum taking me to see a dermatologist and they didn't really um, raise any alarm bells. They just thought, oh, maybe you're just stressed because you're in your last year of high school and, you know, you're studying to get into university. So we really just put it all down to stress. Um, I was extremely fatigued. Um, really lacking energy. And I kept getting UTIs. So that was actually how I ended up being diagnosed because I had to provide a urine sample and there was excess glucose in the urine. And the doctor suggested sending me for a glucose test. And so I did, and that confirmed it. But it was also, I guess, not your typical or you know, average diagnosis as well, because it wasn't extreme amounts of sugar. Um, like it wasn't extreme high sugar levels that came back from the glucose test. And I was actually just given a glucose monitor and sort of sent on my way just to keep an eye on it for Mm -hmm. a couple of months. So it wasn't like I went on insulin straight away or like I was hospitalized or anything like that. It was very slow And, but as I was monitoring my sugar levels over the next couple of months, I did notice they started to creep up. Um, And sometimes I wonder, like, maybe if I had of, I don't know, 
now knowing what I know about mm. like feeling and all those kind of things, but I guess we can't dwell. Um, so yeah, my blood sugar started to creep up and I went back to the GP and my mum remembers it being around 20 or something like that, which again, um, Taj and I measure in different. I'm going to Google what that is while you're talking. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, my blood sugars are really high and the GP was like, you need to go to the emergency department right now. And so we went to the emergency department. Um, They ran a few more tests. They decided to put me on slow acting insulin that day. They apparently wanted to keep me in the hospital. I refused and I was like, nope, I'm going home. I don't even know what this diabetes thing is and I am not having a bar of it. So I was very ignorant and because nobody in my family had diabetes, none of my friends had diabetes, I really didn't know much about it. And I was sort of sitting in that um uh, misconception place as well, thinking that diabetes is something that old people get. Do you know what I mean? Like I just didn't mm-hmm. know. And so it was a real rude awakening for me. And in a nutshell for, yeah, a good couple of years, I was quite in denial and I wasn't really looking after myself. And I was just sort of like, I knew it was there and I was doing my insulin, but you know, if I wanted to eat something and didn't want to take insulin, sometimes I'd be like, oh, well, whatever, I'll deal with it later. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I couldn't quite, like as even though I was being educated constantly by the endo and educators of all the potential dire complications that could come from not looking after your blood sugars, it didn't feel true to me. It just didn't feel like it was going to happen to me. Um, I think because we don't have any symptoms like that in those early stages, do you know what I mean? Or even if you are well controlled, it's such an invisible disease. So I couldn't quite accept that that was what was possible. Um, yeah. So, yeah, for a good few years I was in this denial phase and I think now looking back it did have a lot to do with self-worth and um yeah, not wanting to accept this thing or accept how it might affect my life. So it wasn't until uh, maybe like six years ago now that I started to do some sort of self-love work and some inner healing and all of those sort of holistic fun things that I started to change my relationship with myself and how I viewed the world. And that played such a a huge role in improving how I looked at my health overall and how I treated my diabetes and how I treated my body. And that's when everything sort of started to shift and I was paying attention to the foods I was putting in my body. I wanted to look after it. Um, So yeah, and I guess that's where I'm still at today. And now wanting to, I guess, help other people who are in a similar place to where I was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, And so for, first of all, um, the convergence, so 20 uh, millimoles per liter converted into milligrams per deciliter is 
So 20 is about 370 or 375. Yeah, wow. So <laughs> <laughs> I would just and measure it across the globe the same. I know. It's, eh, yeah, right? It should be. Um, but, okay, so for you, like your self-love and the, the start of that journey, was it diabetes that prompted you to do that? Or like, what was that turning point for you? And I'm curious because I feel like in my personal journey, the turning point for me taking care of diabetes and really paying attention to it was also self-love, but in a different way. It was more so because of my physical goals and my fitness journey. But I think that translates into self-love for me. <laughs> so I'm just curious like what that was for you. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting, hey, how like for both of us where things really started to pivot was all around the self-love. Mm-hmm. It just speaks volumes. Um, so I guess there was like quite a few things going on in my life around the time like that maybe set me on that path. And I was working in the radio industry and it was extremely sort of competitive and I had been bouncing around the country, like, you know, chasing this radio dream. Um, I was struggling a lot in relationships. I was struggling a lot with partying. Like I was in a really bad headspace, Mm -hmm. right? And that's, you know, how much that was connected to diabetes, I am sure there is some kind of a connection Um, because, you know, like even just leading up to my diagnosis, it's like that lack of self-love and that um, sort of, yeah, being like not in, not fully in my body, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's how I, you know, spent a lot of well, my teenage years and even my early 20s just really looking for external validation, I guess, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether that be in career or relationships and not paying any attention to what was actually going on inside or how it was making me feel or how it was affecting my self-worth. And so I think there was a whole bunch of things going on at the time that were really sort of setting off alarm bells like, girl, you need to do some inner work, right? Like you need to speak to someone. And I think it was maybe a friend suggested an energy healer and I was in Sydney at the time and I found an energy healer and yeah, it just really shifted my perspective on so many things, but in particular how I viewed myself and um, my body and everything like that. So, and while at the time, now I think back and I'm like, wow, what she was telling me at the time made absolutely no sense. There was a part of me that believed it. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, whoa, like, you know, that's just fully what I embody now. Um, But, yeah, so just starting to, yeah, meet with those people. I like to call them expanders, like Mm -hmm. who can teach us different perspectives and, 
just allow us to heal our relationship with ourselves and it just sort of slowly evolved and um yeah since then it's become a little bit of an obsession and I don't mean to use that in like a negative term but I just love this work because you know it's something that's so easily accessible to us and has such a huge impact on every aspect of our life and I can see how much it's transformed my diabetes health so when I started to like heal this relationship and wanting to look after myself, um, I remember a really sort of key moment that stands out to me sitting in the waiting room at my endocrinologist's office Mm -hmm. and it was type one diabetes day. So the room was filled with other young type ones. And I just looked around the room and everyone looked so depressed and so miserable and they just did not want to be there. Um, even just some of the conversations I was having, like, they were sort of just like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, like all I care about is just being young and wanting to do young people things, you know, and that was really in that headspace that I was in and that I was moving out of. And that's when I sort of realized, well, shit, I'm not the only one that was thinking and feeling those things. And now that I am seeing things through a different lens, maybe there is a responsibility for me to help other people. Um, And so, yeah, that's when I sort of started a community called the Plant-Based Diabetic Community. Um, I started posting on social media, you know, sharing my experience, like something I love to say is that I'm a lived experience. Like I'm not telling anyone to do what I do. It's just like, hey, this is working for me. I'm sharing it because maybe you'll find something in it. Um, and yeah, it really just evolved from there. And the Instagram and social media community is so responsive. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. I love that. And you're doing such amazing things for the community. It's just so, it's so cool to see how that unfolded and like, who would have thought it was just being at the endo office. Cause I totally remember those groups of, you know, those meetup things with the endo at the endo office, where it's just a bunch of people living with type one, but that's so cool that that sort of inspired it. And I don't know if you heard that gecko, but it was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's geckos everywhere. <laughs> oh my goodness. I thought it was a bird. No, they like chirp off and on. So if you hear them, that's what it is. I, I like to picture it's cheering us on. <laughs> yes, it sure is. It wants to be a part of this podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. And um, I, yeah, it's it's really cool how something, you know, now looking at this, you know, where we're at, it's like something that was initially considered to be like a a negative thing, you know, like a scary diagnosis is now something that I can be grateful for and actually allows me to connect with other people and to be able to help other people. Like that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It really is. And just being able to like step into that fully, right. And going through all of those, those moments. And it's so cool to see how everyone, we all share similar emotions and feelings and experiences in different ways. So being, just being able to like voice that and then 
relate so hard with it is just such a a beautiful thing because I feel like there's nothing there's nothing that makes me feel more seen and heard than that I think mm, yes I love that and yeah sometimes living with diabetes like as we've been talking about already in this episode like people who don't have diabetes sometimes we can feel really unseen by them mm-hmm. totally Yeah, but honestly, you are doing such incredible things in the community as well and you are such a light in this space and um, you obviously have a very sort of different story but interestingly enough, we, you know, are now on similar paths. So Mm -hmm. we'd love to hear all about your diabetes journey. Mm, Yeah, so when I was – I was diagnosed when I was nine – and I'm going to be 32 this year. So it was a while ago, but I remember it was on a road trip to um, Edmonton, Alberta. It's in Canada. <laughs> and we had a motor home and we were going to a family reunion. And it was, I think it was like June or July. And I was getting, because my sister and I were sleeping in a bunk bed, like in the motor home. And yeah. I remember getting up in the middle of the night, every single night, like multiple times, I had to go pee so bad that I barely would make it to the bathroom. And my mom and dad said I was drinking a lot of water and they could just tell that something was wrong. And I lost a lot of weight and they had a feeling that it was diabetes. I don't know how they would have known (laughs) what that was. Maybe they were Googling it. I don't know. Um, Because I'm the only one who has diabetes, just like you in my family, like type one, type two, just they tried to trace it back, but they couldn't find it. And so I was gone for two weeks. And then as soon as we got back to back home, I went to the hospital and sure enough, I had ketones. So I was rushed to the hospital. I think I went to the doctor actually first, and then they rushed me to the hospital. They're like, you're not okay. Um, But it all happened so fast that I I think, and I don't know if this happens to anyone else, but when traumatic things happen, I think I sort of block a lot of it out. And I just remember feeling so much confusion because I had no idea what diabetes was and I was not used to doctors or anything. And so it was going from just like this pure, you know, life to all of a sudden, like a tornado hit and all of these things were happening that I'd never experienced before. I don't know if you can relate to that, but completely. And as a nine-year-old, yeah, so it was crazy. And even after that too, like I remember, so my mom was actually talking about this the other day because I'm staying with her right now, but she said that We were at the hospital and she was, I think, I don't know if she was still, I think she was still, no, maybe she wasn't, I think she might've been nursing my sister still. So she was like adamant about having like a private room, which luckily we got. I don't know what we would have done if we didn't have that because I was in the hospital for a week and they wanted to keep us in the hospital for two weeks. And she said, so my mom is very like fiery. And she said that we were sleeping and the nurse was really rude that would come in. I remember my dad nicknamed her Nurse Ratchet from some (laughs) old TV show. (laughs) And so Nurse Ratchet would like come in the middle of the night and 
she would shine a flashlight in her eyes. And my mom was like, that's not okay. You know, like if you need to wake her up, just come in and do it. But you don't need to be shining the flashlight in our eyes in the middle of the night because my sister was sleeping with us. And um, so my mom finally said, yeah. And so my mom said she – she finally said to her, if you do that one more night, I'm going to take this glass of water and I'm going to throw it in your face. And so sure enough, like she came in and did it and my mom threw the water in her face. And I'm like, I have no recollection of that at all. <laughs> it's so dramatic. Like, it is. been diagnosed with diabetes. And this is, oh my God. Wow. That's. Like it's quite – it's really funny now. I imagine it's it was funny not now. funny yeah. at all. <laughs> well, and then – okay, so that um, like journal entry that I wrote when I was nine that I shared with you. Um, so I wrote this piece after my diagnosis when I was nine years old just about like how that time was. And I think I did mention like there was a really mean nurse here at the hospital <laughs> But I, yeah, so finally they send us home, I think a week early, because my mom said, we're going, like, we're leaving now. And oh, yeah, this other thing she said, I don't know where this came up, but we were talking about it the other day. And she said the doctor, he came in and he was sitting in his chair and he was leaning back. And she's like, we're, we're leaving. Like, how can you support us? And he's like, no, you're not leaving. You have to stay here for another week. And She's like, we're leaving, so how can you support us? And she just kept repeating herself. Mm -hmm. And then finally she said his face got all red and he took the pencil that was like under – like behind his ear and he just snapped it and he was like, fine. (laughs) I'm like, this is so dramatic. (laughs) Um, So we left. We left a week early because it was just such a horrible experience and we had a nurse – that would come to the house to um, just oversee us to make sure that we were following protocol with, I guess, a newly diagnosed child. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my mom said some days she would see her like drive past the house, but like wouldn't actually get out of the car, which is just very strange. But that's kind of, it was, I think the whole experience, I mean, it there's definitely memorable moments but it was really traumatic at that time. So <laughs> speaking of trauma, I think if I were to go see the – what is it? A, a Rooney Rooney? Oh, Romy Romy. Romy Romy. I bet like yeah. I, I probably have a lot from just from that time period. Um, oh, understandably. And that's the thing that like in hearing you explain all of that, like that's the thing that's really jumping out to me. It's like where was – um, you know, here's this nine-year-old, com- you know, completely probably petrified, is now diagnosed with this thing that she's going to have to deal with every single day of her life. And, you know, especially if you weren't used to being around um, medical practitioners and everything, that would have been scary in itself, not even allowed to go home. And then there's all this extra chaos going on. And, yeah. you know, Imagine how you must have been feeling and like how much that would have just been adding to that situation. So, yeah, wow, really full on. Yeah, it's such a crazy, crazy time. And I remember – I don't really remember doing my own injections right away, but I remember my parents doing them for me and I remember it was painful. So my mom said that I started doing my own injections pretty fast, but – 
I don't know. I remember it was just, there's just, I mean, even today, there's so many moving parts that it can be really overwhelming. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so you were nine years old diagnosed and like, what's the sort of journey been like, I guess, up until Mm. now, you know, being almost 32, like what, obviously that diagnosis situation was so traumatic. Mm -hmm. And then I guess what happened over the years after that? Yeah. So I feel like if I look at it, it kind of is in these three chunks from diagnosis and then my teenage years, which the whole time I was in school, um, even into my early 20s, I was very, I mean, I sort of lived and I still do this. I still live my life just really being adamant of like diabetes is not going to hold me back from doing anything that I want to do. But back then I was so, I was so not wanting to be different. And I just wanted to be accepted by like my peer groups at school. And I didn't know anyone else who had diabetes who went to the same school as me. And I always felt different. And even, you know, going for a sleepover or something as a young, like a 12 year old or a 13 year old, it's like, sometimes you don't want to whip out a bunch of needles and be that girl or like, you know, have to treat a low or there's all these things that you have to do that kind of make you different a little bit, right? Like, or you get special treatment in some situations. Like if a pair, like I remember being at a birthday party and the lady's like, oh, I don't think you can eat cake because you have diabetes and just like sort of always like trying really hard to fit in, but then feeling like I was constantly being on the outside a little bit because I'm the one with diabetes <laughs> so and people don't really understand. But so I spent a long, a long time just really fighting it and trying to hide it. I did a really good job at hiding it because I think later on, like even after high school, no one really knew that I had diabetes. And so, and, but then it also has that emotional cost of like, well, you're not sharing this big part of your life with people that you're hanging out with. And so it's almost like you have a separate identity that's like not, you don't feel as accepted. And so you're not accepting it yourself. Um, Mm. So I spent, I think that was huge until I was probably like 26 maybe because that was around the time that I started taking my fitness seriously because I was always trying to lose weight like as long as I can remember and I had like ex-boyfriends say you know you're just a little chubbier because you have diabetes or it was always it would always be because of diabetes that's why you don't look how you want, you know, or people would say, you want to get fit. That's great. But like, you may just never be able to be as fit as the other girls because you have to take insulin. So it was always this thing that made me feel even more insecure. So I was always trying to improve myself. And then I realized like, okay, Taja, if you, like I I started achieving my fitness goals and I really dove into like bodybuilding and fitness and it became a huge part of my life and my confidence because I feel like when I, when I feel good in my body, 
that's what contributes to a lot of my self-confidence. And I've just always been that way. And so I was like, okay, you're going to have to get a CGM if you want to get to that, that next level of your fitness. And so it wasn't diabetes that sort of um, motivated me. It was my fitness and wanting to build more muscle and just like improve my physique. And so, and then what I learned was like, whatever your fitness goals are, whether it's just to stay healthy or build muscle or lose weight, it's like, you can't have one without the other and the other being diabetes and good blood sugars, because when you focus on one area, the other area is going to be a byproduct. So like I went in trying to get fit and then that alone improved my blood sugars. Um, but I think that if people were to go in with like, okay, I want to improve my blood sugars, well, their fitness is just going to improve because it, they're so intertwined. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. So when I started, like fitness became a huge thing. And then I had people reaching out being like, I want to get fit. And so that's kind of what started my helping other people lose weight who were also living with type 1 diabetes. And a big part of that was me just spending so many years feeling so insecure in my body and with diabetes. So that's, and then that's what's brought me to where I am today and really being able to accept diabetes and look at it as more of a positive because I feel like without diabetes, I probably wouldn't be as health conscious and I wouldn't be as, I don't, like, I think, I mean, we're all intuitive, but I feel like just that awareness around everything and everything, anything and everything that affects your body and your blood sugars is also connected. So I, I mean, it's just, it's become more of a positive and it, looking back, it was such a, a negative, like such a negative. And I was so embarrassed about it, but now it's something that I feel like has led the way and been such a bright light in so many of the darker areas of my life without even me really realizing it until later on. So that's where like right now, my biggest joy is just using it as a way to inspire and like light the path for others. Mm. Oh, I love all of that. <laughs> I what are goosebumps right now and Oh, I just like, yeah, you are so inspiring and like to me and so many other people in the community. And it's just, yeah, I just love that, you know, even though it's been like, it hasn't always been an easy road and there's been so many challenges along the way. It's like how you choose to either, you know, use those challenges to, to motivate you and to be able to help other people and to learn from them or, you know, and that's, that's a choice. That is a conscious choice because I think there's still a lot of people out there, especially if you don't have access to these kinds of conversations um, or people around you who are encouraging of looking at it through that different lens, mm -hmm. they can really sit in that sort of um, dire, I mean, sort of victimhood mentality, you know, and I know this, I don't say this with any judgment because I've totally been there, 
you know, like I Mm -hmm. definitely had the self-pity party and was like, why me? You know, why do I have to have diabetes? Like, this is so not fair. I'm so angry about it. Um, But actually it was Nick Jonas. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the quote? (laughs) The what? Do you know the quote that I'm going to say? No, I don't. But I know Nick Jonas, not personally, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) So it was Nick Jonas who changed this for me. But um, no, he just, um, yeah, I just remember reading uh, a quote of his somewhere around diabetes because he's a type one as well. And um, I remember him saying, I used to think, why me? But then mm-hmm. he started asking, well, well, he started saying, well, why not me? And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, that's a yeah. really good point. You know, what makes me more special than anyone else or less deserving yeah. than anyone else? And I think if we can, it, like, that's the thing, it is a journey. And I guess if we didn't go through those challenging times, we probably wouldn't be where we are now, you know? And I think in both of our stories, there is that uh, really critical key of, you know, doing that sort of inner self-love work that has allowed Mm -hmm. us to see the challenges as positives and lessons and to be able to work through them and come out the side, the other side, and now be able to help other people. Yeah, I love that. And I also think too, just because we, I mean, you are doing such amazing things and you have turned obstacles into opportunities and it's it's beautiful because everyone has that choice. But then also, I don't want people to think that just because I have, you know, changed this big negative that was in my life into a positive, it doesn't mean that I still don't have bad days because I have moments every now and then, like even today, my blood, I, I probably ate 50 grams of carbs just before my workout. And this is like rare that I would eat that amount just to fuel my workout, but my blood sugar was just not going up. And then it was so frustrating that I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm probably just not going to be able to eat for the rest of the day now. Like I, my mind went into this place. And so just Mm. because I think the difference is now is like, I have the awareness to just kind of bring myself back out of that place, but it doesn't mean that I don't have them, you know? Yeah, completely. And that's such a good point. And like, I'm the same, you know, it's like some days I'm just like, ah, are you fucking kidding me? Like, (laughs) you know, I had a, a moment the other day where I felt like all I was doing all day was just taking correction units because Mm -hmm. I couldn't, the opposite, I couldn't get my blood sugars down. And I was like, what is going on? And, you know, awareness is such a key thing. And like in, when my blood sugars are doing that, I'll often ask myself like, "Hmm, okay, well, what, what is happening in your life today? Like what has been happening in the past few days that could be um, contributing to these high blood sugars? And often you can find some clarity in asking those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a good point. You know, it's it's that we do have these sort of this self-awareness now to be able to ask ourselves these questions and be able to work through those emotional roller coaster times rather than sit in them because mm-hmm. it is a choice and 
you know, the moment you become aware, you do have to make a choice. And um, as a coach, something I see a lot is that a lot of the time people don't even want that awareness because they don't want the responsibility of making a choice. So it's easier for them to just sit in that ignorant space because if you're aware of something, then you can either choose to keep doing what you're doing, which clearly isn't working for you, or you can make a choice to make a change. And people don't like change because change can be scary. It can be uncomfortable. I get it. But mm-hmm. what's the other option? Yeah, that's so powerful. So powerful. And it reminds me of this thing that I forget who said it, but it it had something to do with fitness, maybe weight loss, but um, it was something like you can make the change or if you don't do anything, nothing will change. Like you'll remain in the same place, but mm. by not changing anything and like stepping up and doing something about it, by not doing anything, you're still making a choice because change is inevitable and things are still going to happen. So you might just create that change that maybe you didn't really want by not doing anything and not taking action. I don't know who said that, but that's what that reminded me of. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Same concept. You know, it's like either way you're making a choice. You're either choosing to stay in that place or, and, you know, suffer. Actually, mm-hmm. this Romy Romy lady, oh, my God, she has just changed my life, I feel. but um, <laughs> I'm going to have to Google this. <laughs> yes, do it. I'll send you a link. Um, okay. She also said, um, she's like, Sarah, even if, like, things are, um, like, I've been having some challenging times with my mum lately, um, mm-hmm. and she's like, Sarah, you can either add to your suffering by beating yourself up or by, you know, sort of keeping yourself small and unheard. Um, you can add to your suffering by doing that because, like, I mean, I'm not explaining this very well. So it's like let's say I'm already being affected by a situation, like whether it be like conflict with a family member or something at work or something like that. That's already going to be challenging. And um, so that's what we're going to be experiencing as challenging, but then we can add to that and make it even more challenging on ourselves by then beating ourselves up, experiencing that shame or sitting in that anger. Um, Or we could forgive ourselves and show ourselves empathy and love ourselves to make the whole experience a little bit easier because we may not be able to change someone else's actions or a situation that's happening around us, but we do, like we do have control over how we respond to it. That is, that's amazing. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. And it reminds me (laughs) of this thing that my mom was saying, because she has this tendency that, I mean, I don't find it offensive at all, but like it's offended other people where throwing water in their face. Oh, (laughs) right. (laughs) No, but she, so she'll be like, Oh, or someone will say, oh, I had such a shitty sleep last night. And she'll be like, oh, really? Because I had such an amazing sleep. But she's not saying it like that to dismiss how you're feeling. She's just saying like, oh, like, you know, and I don't take that offensive. But the, there was this one time that it really offended someone. And then it's like, right, but you are, we are all responsible for our own feelings, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. 
And it's like, why should we discredit our positive experience because someone else has had a negative experience? Right. You know, exactly. and it's like, why, why can't we just, you know, um, have empathy for both situations? And it's like, that's the thing about emotions and experiences. Like they are transient, you know, mm-hmm. it's like maybe the next night your mom has the bad sleep and that person has a good <laughs> sleep. It's like, that's just your experience in that moment. Um, on that note, I feel like yes, we, we need to wrap it up. Hours. I know. Even with our Instagram lives every week, we're like, yeah, we're going to cut it off at this time. But we just have so much to talk about and I love it so much. And that's, you know, why we've got this podcast as well, because we have so much to share and we're just so on the same page and just get each other. So I love that we can have these conversations. Me too. And honestly, when we're talking, I feel like I get so absorbed and like lost in our conversation that I'm like, whoa, it's already been this long. So it's like, I hope you guys enjoy a five hour long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Call us Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for this chat today. It's completely brightened my evening as it always does. Me too. Me too. Honestly, I just feel so nourished and excited and just the whole time. And I've said this to you before, I think it might've even been after our first podcast chat together. Like I just, I'm just smiling the whole time. Mm. Yeah, me too. And I'm constantly nodding. I know we can't see each other right now, but I'm like always nodding my head. I'm like, yes. (laughs) Like the gecko. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm so grateful for you and this space and this container that we're creating and anyone listening right now, thank you so, so much for being here. We hope that, you know, us sharing our experiences and having these real chats just really reminds you that you're not alone on this journey. And, you know, if you're thinking some things, then there's a good chance that someone else out there is thinking them too. And even though what we might see on social media all the time, you know, it looks like people are are killing it or when people put their HbA1Cs in their bios as well. Um, But that's a whole other story, a whole other podcast episode. Um, Mm -hmm. It can make us feel, you know, a little bit, maybe sometimes like we're not doing as well as them, but it's, um, it's not true. And yeah, we're here to have these chats to remind you of that. Yeah. And at the, yeah, at the end of the day, if you're doing the best you can, that's all that really matters. And we're all at a different stage of this journey. And Sarah, I'm just so grateful for you and everyone that's listening. Thank you for being here. Mm, I hope that you enjoyed this episode today. Thank you so much for being here and tuning in. I hope that it's exactly what you needed to hear and I hope that it brightened your day. If you want to learn more about Diabetes Uncensored and listen to more episodes like this one, go to Diabetes Uncensored, again, Uncensored with an S, available on all podcast platforms. And if you want to reach out, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram at Diabetes Uncensored. Uncensored. Thank you so much and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.